Hi, this is Frugal Forever, and we're podcasting in isolation. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're in our separate homes, and it feels really weird. It's so weird. I'm just sitting in my spare room at the moment, just like, I don't, like just staring at my pens. Like, there's nothing in front of me. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, so, guys, I'm Katie Cunningham. That's Josie Parsons. Oh. <laughs> um, it's a podcast about money. Did we say that already? I can't remember. No, um, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, this is our first episode recording from separate houses. So I don't have Josie's little facial expressions at me when I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> or Katie's um, gasps and shock horror at whatever I say, <laughs> etc. I mean, I'm still going to gasp. You just, you know, you'll hear it. You'll hear it. I know, but I like to I like to see you being dramatic, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how dare you. <laughs> um, so how are you doing, Josie? I'm good. I'm good. This week has been great. I just want to say um, I really appreciate all the people who reached out to me <laughs> because they were obviously worried about me. I must sound really depressed on the pod, so I'm sorry about that to everyone. I'm actually fine. Um but, you know, I was just being really open with how I felt. And, yeah, this week has been a lot better. Um, yeah, I'm getting into the groove of things. I exercised with a friend today, socially distant, which was nice. And I've been baking a lot. How about you, Katie? Um, well, I was almost offended to hear you'd had a great week, but now I'm happy for you. Um, <laughs> I've had an up and down time. It's like... Okay, so last time we recorded was last Sunday in the morning and then that night they announced more. They announced all the stuff about, like, no more boot camps, you can't go outside with more than one other person. Like, the actual kind of lockdown measures, like, actually made it legit. Mm. And Josie, as you will already know because you <laughs> listen to me um, go off about it, I basically had, like, a breakdown then. The last of, like, 24, 48 hours um, was feeling super dark I, I'm good now. Like I've kind of come back up, um, but it, it definitely feels like it's a roller coaster and it's like, yeah, one moment I'll be like pretty peppy and pretty positive. Another moment I'll be like dying of boredom. The next moment I just want to like, you know, lie down on the floor and cry. Um, so that is so me. relatable. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it's okay. I can deal. It's okay. What are the things that are um, bringing you joy at the moment? Um, well, I'm not just saying this because our topic today is cooking, but I made the Alison Roman stew last night and I was thinking that I'm enjoying uh, just like the soothingness of being in the kitchen and listening to music or podcasts while I cook and that's nice. Yeah, I the, the cooking and the baking and the being in the kitchen is by far the best thing yeah. to come out of this yeah yeah i've also been going cool. to the park a lot which oh is that's nice, nice. Exercise. yeah my state hey. state sanctioned exercise for the day because did you ever like go to the park before regularly uh, no <laughs> why would i <laughs> i, 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 I mean, have a pub to go to <laughs> and a gym <laughs> and a gym <laughs> god <laughs> I mean, it really is that, I know it's that super basic dumb meme that everyone's sharing of, oh, like March has gone for a decade, but it really does feel like that. Like this 
I can't believe it's only been a week since we recorded. I feel like the time is passing so slowly for me. It's we've lived years in these months. It's insane. Yeah. 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 So anyway, I mean, yes, the topic we are talking about today is cooking and like how that can be a soothing, nice activity. And then also the idea of austerity cooking and kind of getting the most out of your food and doing the most with it for the least amount of money, which seems relevant right now because a, we're all, you know, or a lot of us at least are working on smaller budgets than we used to be and B, you know, no one's going out for dinner. We're all at home cooking every meal. So we thought now was the time. Yeah. Um, for people who don't know, Katie, including me, because we've been <laughs> talking about this term for ages and I've just been like, mm, yes, austerity cooking. Um, <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> okay. I think I, I think my mum talks about it a lot and that's how I know what it is. It's, um, <laughs> It's basically it's just cooking on the cheap. So I think it. Right. Look, I'm I'm just guessing now, but I think it kind of originated for uh, our grandparents' generation during World War Two, and this I like this idea of like kind of having rations or and really limited food options and limited budget, and so really just a trying not to waste any food and b trying to fill yourself and your kids up for the least amount of money possible. Um, and you know, I think like in normal life, obviously I never set out to waste food when I buy it, but is that the top of mind for me when I go to the supermarket or when I cook? No, not really. Like I'm thinking about what I want to eat for taste first. And this whole experience has made me be like, oh no, I actually like it. This is now a time to really not waste food and to really, yeah, make the most out of what I've got. So yeah, limit going to the supermarket as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think cool. back in the day when, like, when my mum was a kid, it was like you would give your kids a lot of carbs because that was cheap. So, you know, it's like that kind of classic <laughs> kind of boring shit UK food that people give shit to rightfully all the time, like bread pudding and, you know, stuff like that that's just kind of like bland and nothingness, but it's just like, well, it just like fills your tummy a bit. I mean, I really like bread pudding. Yeah, I mean, no, no shade to bread pudding. I see what you mean. Yeah, but I've been really, I've been on a tip of like trying to not waste any food lately. Do you want to know what I just did before this podcast? I'm begging for you to tell me. <laughs> I mean, people listening are going to be like, oh, bitch, like incredible. <laughs> but um, I had some, I bought this bread because I wanted to make egg sandwiches for dinner last night. Not last night, last week, because I you know was having a breakdown so I just wanted comfort food and I like egg sandwiches anyway um don't have any room in my freezer for bread because my freezer is chocolate block right now so I was like well I don't just want to waste this bread so I made all these um breadcrumbs out of it so I'm gonna have like pasta with breadcrumbs in it and maybe like I don't know make a schnitzel or something with the breadcrumbs as well next week that is a good idea yeah yeah no I like that I would never have thought to do that I would have just yeah. like stressfully eaten the bread and made myself sick or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you would have. <laughs> <laughs> um, do Do you have any like hot tips for not wasting food? Is there anything you've figured out lately? Uh, I think <laughs> we don't waste a lot of food because my boyfriend eats a lot, like mm. a lot of food. Um, okay. 
hot tip, yeah. live with a hungry man. Cool. <laughs> live with a tradesman, <laughs> men, all, all sorted. Um, no, but produce I think is definitely our downfall. I think it's really helping at the moment with not wasting food because I'm making salads every day. So I just kind of chuck mm. everything into a salad no matter what it mm. is. And I feel like if you toast pepitas or like sunflower seeds and put them on a salad, no matter what's in it, it'll taste good. It's the most magic ingredient of yeah, all time. Yeah, dude, you know how I feel about toasted pepitas. Yeah, you introduced me to them. They're so good. Yeah, I did. I used to have them for lunch every day, guys, on my salad. Um, yeah, I actually, there's this, okay, so there's this website uh, called Stone Soup, which is this recipe website that I've always kind of got recipes off um and its whole premise is i think it used to be three ingredients or less and then the lady who ran it kind of expanded it so now it's more like five ingredients or maybe even six ingredients if you're getting crazy but the the idea of it is cooking meals with without having to buy 10 million things because that's what makes like grocery shopping expensive is when you need you know yeah like 20 Mm. different things to put in one dish so this is just like how can you do this simply it's like quicker it's easier it's cheaper um, so I really like that website, but she did this Instagram post, um, the other day about how to avoid wasting ingredients. And, um, she said, uh, you should just try and not create leftover ingredients in the first place. Like if you're cooking, you know, like if you've, if you've got a broccoli or whatever, like just don't only, don't only eat half of it. Like you just, put the whole thing in the recipe kind of thing, which is like a really yeah. simple idea. But I was like, oh, yeah, I just – that makes sense, but it wouldn't have occurred to me maybe. Um, hmm. But she also says you should – you need to put things in places in your fridge that are like it's visible and to rotate your fridge. So if there's yes. stuff up the back that you're forgetting is up there, you've got to like bring it forward so it's top of mind so you can see it there so you remember to cook with it. Um so I thought that was good advice as well. But also, Josie, I've been I've been really good at freezing, like at freezing the things that I haven't freezing leftover ingredients. I guess like mm. I've got this sausage. Okay, so as you know, Josie, <laughs> I always make breakfast burritos, um, <laughs> and <laughs> I put sausage in my breakfast burrito, and I had you know like two sausages worth leftover meat from the last time I made breakfast burritos. So I like chopped it up, cooked it weighed it put it in like containers in the freezer and was like okay now um that can go in like a pasta later so that's going to go in my pasta with my breadcrumbs this week but you know I think if you can't if you can't eat all of the ingredient at once either like pickling it or preserving it or freezing it is a good way to not let it go to waste as well Mm, totally I'm also really interested in the fact that like I know for myself especially the only thing that's like bringing me a lot of calm and control is cooking right now. Mm. And I feel like everyone on the internet is, is doing that. All my Instagram Mm. is just people cooking. Yeah. Yeah. You've been baking a lot. Right. Yeah. So much, but also like last night I made like the best pasta in the world and I was so proud of myself for how good it tasted and it just, it was great. Mm. well actually okay I was going to save this for money content but I'll just talk about it now um there's this article about Alison Roman the chef in the cut yeah yeah I have that up to talk about right now oh okay cool yeah and yeah it says basically that um so okay if you don't know who Alison Roman is um she is this kind of hot right now cool millennial chef she's got a new cookbook that came out recently um 
she's had a couple of recipes that have gone viral in the last kind of six months, I guess. One is the stew that I made. It's just become known as the stew. And another one is like the cookies. I don't think she calls them that, but that's just what they've kind of become known as, um, these really cult dishes. And (laughs) yeah, it's kind of, you've probably seen people post themselves making her recipes on Instagram lately it's become this like isolation bingo thing of like every young like every young person right now is just making Alice and Roman recipes mm-hmm. um and this article said uh it, that there's like part of the reason for her appeal right now is just that she's very prescriptive in her ideas about food and it's kind of like oh no I'm never going to put I don't like capsicum so capsicum's never going in my recipes or like yeah yeah you should use this obscene amount of coconut milk in this stew like because that's what makes it taste good I don't care if there's a thousand calories in the can um and that just having that kind of like I don't know directness and the like orders to follow in a way or something is like comforting like there's a comfort in being able to follow a recipe and like yeah. But also there's a lot of comfort in the Alice and Roman universe. Like that article, it's it was saying that to peruse her her catalogue is to feel abject in your dumb recognizable desires because you desire for the casual abundance of beer cans, beach blankets and burned candles for indulgent meals in some fantasy Brooklyn LA. That's a quote from the article. But <laughs> it it takes you to like this cool chic like dinner party place that you want to be. Yeah. And um, can I read a quote from the article? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, So it says, for those of us currently lucky enough to lead lives of Zoom meetings and sweatpants, cooking isn't just the alternative to going out. Cooking is a way to feel useful. Mm. At least a recipe offers the solace of a plan. Follow the steps, measure carefully, and even the worst failures failures are minor and contained. And I feel like that's very true. I also, I've been reading, so... I, as you know, I go and read it and I subscribe to these boards. Um, I think one's poverty finance, one's eat cheap and healthy, which are both exactly what they sound like on the tin. And so people, since, you know, coronavirus happened, people have been posting recipes in there for really cheap, um, effective meals or just like ways that they're not wasting ingredients. And um, someone posted this kind of, not banana bread, kind of like a cakey thing that they made with expired yogurt because I didn't know this, but it's true that like expired dairy and cream, you can actually still bake with it and it's not like it's not bad for you. It totally works in baked recipes. You just can't like eat it with a spoon out of the fridge. What? Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's magic. I don't know how it works, but it does. Oh, my God. That's wild. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Also, another thing I always do – just in general life as well, what I feel like is relevant to this is if you have, you know, three random ingredients at your disposal that you need to use, I just Google those ingredients and the word recipe and just see what <laughs> recipes Google pulls up because there inevitably is something out there. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure there's a website specifically for you put ingredients and then it makes a rest like it gives you a recipe that they're all in. Yeah. Um, because a friend of mine at the office the other day, she was like, I came up with this amazing idea and then Googled it and it already existed. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a good idea. I mean, it's a great idea. I should I should find it, actually. Um, um, and I also, I really, I've been making a lot of lemon cake recently as well. So my, my it's like my grandma's recipe and my mom used to make it. Are you literally baking something every single day? <laughs> Um, 
uh, probably every like second or third day. Um, oh, wow. I just, I've got the ingredients at the moment and I'm freezing a lot of stuff or if I can giving it away, but it just is really soothing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also just a chance. I've always wanted to get better at cooking. I've always wanted to get better at baking. And literally now is the time to do it where one, like we were saying, you feel useful, but yeah, two, you have time and it's fun and soothing and helps. Yeah. So Did yeah. you say that you were spending a lot on fancy baking ingredients though? Well, okay. So last, no, this is two weeks ago when I went to your place and I bought you some lemon cake. Um, <laughs> I, was very delicious. Thank you. Because <laughs> like a week before that I had made like the buckwheat, the salty buckwheat cookies from Bon Appetit. And then I was like, what do I do with this buckwheat flour? And one of the editors from Bon Appetit suggested like a buckwheat banana cake, but I needed mm. flour for that, like plain flour, but I didn't have any plain flour. So I went to the place across the street from your, or like near your place. And it's like a fancy organic store. And the only flour they had was like whole wheat, purple green flour and I also needed sour cream and those two together it was like $12.50 sour cream and flour yeah that place is very expensive so insane but then since <laughs> then it's not it's not been as bad but I mean my our grocery bills are a lot higher because I think we're, like I'm here for lunch every day yeah like, I'm making more stuff like definitely I'm spending more money on food yeah sure. dude I have spent so much money on food like I mean, I I posted about this in the Facebook group, um, but like I have just feel like I spent so much money in the two weeks or whatever of isolation we've had so far. It's obscene, like buying, you know, buying heaps of groceries, like like um, meal prepping all this stuff and freezing it. Yeah, like I don't know. Like today, I today I spent fifty dollars on cushions. I just want to feel safe, and I was like, you know what? That's cushions. That's going to do that for me. And I feel really really happy that I have them. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've been talking about cushions for (laughs) days, so I'm glad you got some cushions. Candles, like I'm burning through all my candles at the moment, but they just, it all makes me feel safe, like having a good, like a good, what's the word, like abode, not abode, but like. Just like a comforting space. Yeah, just like a comforting space is just really helping. With my safety. No, it does. It does help. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So sorry if I'm making you repeat yourself, but why do you think that you like baking so much? Like why is that bringing you joy right now? Um, I don't know. I think for the reasons I said before, I want to get better at something and I feel like I'm getting better. I can literally taste myself getting better. Um, and it's something I've always wanted to challenge myself in. I just have more time. And baking is like if you follow a recipe, you get what the recipe says. There's not Mm. many variables. Cooking, Mm. like cooking a meal, there are so many variables. You know how they say that cooking is art and baking is science? Mm. I just just like that you know what the outcome is going to be. You know it's something that's going to be delicious and it's going to make your day anyway. Um, I guess that's probably why. Yeah. And um, it's, I, it's a feeling useful thing as well. I, I I like to be like, this is a thing I create. I can look at it. I can smell it. I can taste it, you know? Yeah, that's cute. Yeah, what were you going to say? 
Oh, I was going to say I found this website um, of 184 wartime recipes. That's those kind of like classic austerity meal things I was talking about before. Do you want to know some of the dishes I'm looking at right now? Please. Um, Okay, bread pudding is there, curried carrots, um, rock buns, spam hash, uh, (laughs) cheese whirls, bread stuffing balls, wartime pumpkin soup, Wait, what's a, what what distinguishes a wartime pumpkin soup from a regular pumpkin soup? I don't soup? know. I haven't clicked on the recipe. <laughs> I really don't know. But it's just like the most classic boring English food. But there's something kind of appealing to, to, about that to me. I feel like this has been a chance for me to just eat, to like make all of my comfort foods and not feel guilty about it because like, I don't know. Normally when I'm at home, I'm, you know, normally – before Corona happened, I was out a few nights a week. So on the nights when I was home, it was always like, got to just cook a really healthy dinner. Like that's, you know, that's all that matters right now. And now it's like, oh, well, I'm home every Friday and Saturday night. So I may as well cook something like fun then, you know. Totally. That's been, it's been enjoyable. Yeah. Um. So on this line of thinking, I think we should introduce our guest. Um, yeah, so we have a expert guest today who actually knows things unlike us. Um, her name is Jess Dennison. She's written some cookbooks about um, cooking on the cheap, and we just wanted to ask her a few questions. So um, here's our interview. Jess Dennison is a self-taught cook based in the UK, spending her time in both London and Edinburgh. She's the founder of 27 Elliots, a neighbourhood cafe that focuses on seasonal produce, and she's also written two cookbooks, Salad Feasts and the very now-appropriate Tin Can Magic. The wonderful Jess is here to chat about cooking mindfully and frugally during the pandemic. Thank you, Jess, for joining us. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Um, So how are things going in the UK, Jess? Yeah, it's a bit weird, you know. It's a bit, not a bit strange. It's very strange. Um, I have a cafe restaurant and yeah, we've just had to do what lots of businesses are doing and pivot and change what we're doing. Um, so I've very quickly turned into being a one woman sort of band. I'm now running a shop. I don't have my team around, but, um, yeah, it's mad, but enjoying the challenges. Yeah. Yeah, So could you tell us how you're, how you've changed the model? So usually, um, at 27 Elliot's we do breakfast, lunch, dinner. It's very much a come in and sit down and spend a lot of time here. Um, so we adapted after Boris Johnson's speech. I just freaked out and was like, I can't have team coming in. I'm going to have to furlough them. If any of them got the virus, I would just feel terrible, even though we were allowed to do a takeaway model. Um, so, yeah, I just adapted to becoming an essential shop. Uh, and I'm joking at the moment. I say it's like a village hall setup because uh, I've just joined all the dining tables together and there's bottles of wine, there's eggs, there's bread, there's milk. Um, it's all a bit random and my inner sort of stylist and merchandising sort of brain is like cringing a bit because it's just all a bit thrown together. But the response has been great and the community around us are actually really grateful to have somewhere to shop that isn't a supermarket because they're just such a horrible experience at the moment. Yeah, it's, yeah that actually <laughs> sounds delightful. 
<laughs> yeah. They're like, oh my gosh, you're selling proper coffee. I've not had coffee in two weeks. Um, yeah. Pumping <laughs> yeah. <laughs> out lots of takeaway coffees, trying to make people smile um, and giving them ingredients that they actually need, plus good bottles of wine. I think that's the answer to, to coping with all of this. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as you know, the reason we're really stoked to talk to you um, is that we're all in this time where everyone is cooking and they're cooking, we're cooking our own food more, but we're having to do it more cheaply because of, you know, reasons. Um, yeah. But also it has to be a really good meal because, you know, there are only – a few joys that we have in this time and eating <laughs> yeah. food is one of them. Yes. So um, could you <laughs> could you talk us through your mantra or your outlook on cooking really good cheap meals and as well as like some ingredients you think are foolproof or some, some great safe options for people? Yeah, of course, because this was almost my style and sort of mantra before all of this craziness happened. So I think when you're cooking cheaply, the best way to do it is keep things simple um, and really looking at what you've already got at the back of the cupboard. Um, obviously, tins that have sat there for a while, there might be, you know, some sad looking packets of nuts and seeds that need using up, maybe some dried fruit, raiding the freezer. So really starting with what you've already got in the house um, so that when you are shopping, you're just doing more of like a top-up shop. Um, and then from there, just making something simple and then adding some fresh herbs or maybe a quick pickle over some braised chickpeas just to add a bit of texture and contrast. Um, but really just keeping it simple, just using five or six ingredients. Mm. So what are some pantry staples you'd recommend picking up? Oh, uh, chopped tomatoes is the obvious one. You can use use those to make a soup or a quick pasta sauce. Um, chickpeas, I use those a lot. Sweet corn. I know you guys in Oz are fans of sweet corn fritters. Um, but again, <laughs> they can go into soups. Um, lentils. I make dals with lentils at least once a week. And then I think my personal favorite is tinned butter beans. Um so just, you know, they're cheap tins, they're super humble, but they're the ones that I always use. Yeah, they're a little bit fancy almost. When I eat them, I feel, um, you know, it's it's a step above, um, <laughs> I don't know, baked beans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the bigger in size. They somehow feel more like you're on holiday in the Mediterranean. I don't know what, there's just <laughs> something really appealing about them. So um, what tinned food do you think is the unsung hero of a good cheap meal? Probably those butter beans I just mentioned. Um, I mean, my favourite way to cook with them, and it's one of our like most popular dishes in the cafe as well, and I'm almost embarrassed when customers ask me how we make them. Um, so what you do is you just gently cook down onions, garlic, I use sage, but you could use rosemary, any woody herb, or you know what, if you don't have fresh herbs, just pull out those little um, dried herbs that you've got in the cupboard and you cook all of that down so it's really sweet and delicious. And then you add um, white wine or red wine. It doesn't need to be anything expensive, just kind of cheapo wine. And then what you do is you add the butter beans, but with the juice that's in the tin, um, 
and that makes the whole oh, yeah. thing like really creamy and it tastes like there's lots of butter in there that it's really rich but you know what it's just simple humble ingredients um so yeah butter beans are my my hero yeah, that's cool. That I sounds it. really delicious. Yeah. I really just <laughs> recently learned that you're meant to be keeping the water from um, tinned legumes. Like I normally just tipped it down the train. Like I, I also only recently learned that you're meant to keep the water that you cook pasta in. And both of those things yes. have been revelations to me. <laughs> totally. Um, I mean, so Italian nonnas have been doing that forever. Yeah. Yeah. Got to follow their lead. So I guess I'm not sure what it's like in Edinburgh at the moment, but we've kind of had this situation of people going to the supermarkets and buying, you know, insane amounts of food and kind of stripping the shelves bare. Um, so kind of buying a lot of the kind of favorite tinned food that we normally eat, um, like chickpeas and lentils, they're kind of gone. What are some tinned foods that you've seen left behind or maybe overlooked that you can still make a really great meal out of? Um, now that the chickpeas and lentils are moving quickly, I would take the tinned fish that's still sitting on the shelf um, and just keep it really simple with a, a nice tin of like tuna, maybe anchovies, some sardines. Um, if you've got some sourdough toast, amazing. Just pop the fish on there and then make a really punchy vinaigrette. So lots of vinegar, some olive oil. Maybe if you've got onion or shallot, you can dice it into there. Um, so just a quick, just dress that in some simple leaves. Um, and it's so simple. I always feel like I'm on holiday when I'm eating tinned fish on toast. Um, the other one, which I don't think we should be snobby about is corned beef. Um, if you can get decent quality, just check where the meat is coming from. Uh, but one of my favorite comfort foods is like a corned beef hash. So you make like a base with, again, onion, garlic, maybe carrots, um, some cooked potatoes, and you make it all smoky with the smoked paprika, um, add the corned beef, Worcestershire sauce, and you've got just this really, I mean, it's not the most beautiful plate of food, but it's all smoky and comforting and rich and delicious. So yeah, tinned fish and corned beef. Yeah, cool. Can I ask what inspired you to write Tin Can Magic um, in the first place? Like, how did you get into the wonders of tin food? Um, it's the way my mum's always cooked. So she's always stocked up on them. Um, she's got this big drawer in our kitchen at home um, and there's always tins in there. So I think I've had that sort of just built into the way I cook. Um in whenever it's salad feasts, there's a bit in the front chapter, which is my go-to ingredients, um, where I mentioned that you should always have some tin chickpeas or butter beans on hand. And they're really handy for bulking out a salad so that it's sort of meal worthy in itself. It's not just a little side dish. Um, and people responded well to those recipes in salad feasts. Um, and then I also had, you know, I'm in the UK and Brexit, you can't sort of ignore that. That was on on my brain. Um, and as a food stylist in my sort of previous career, I tested lots of other cookbooks. Um, and I often found that I was trekking across London to find obscure ingredients that realistically people don't have at home or they can't get their hands on on a mm. Wednesday night. So I just wanted to make something mm. that was really practical. Um and tins were the were the answer. Um, and what I say in the book is 
seasonality and seasonal local produce is what determines the menu at the cafe. Um, but when I get home from work after cooking all day, I realize it's, you know, the coconut milk that I use to make a quick dal or curry. That's the real hero. And then you can add seasonal produce to that. That's so funny you say that because I literally didn't buy a cookbook the other day because I looked at it and I was like, I'm never going to find these ingredients ever. No. So I didn't. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. It's like every Ottolenghi cookbook. It's like the dishes look so beautiful. But even in not pandemic times, I have never bothered to go and find these obscure ingredients he calls for in his recipe. So it's just like, ugh, like what's the point of me eating this? Exactly. And I, I think <laughs> – what because I know how to inject some of those flavors into cooking um so you get a kind of Ottolenghi vibe meal but without having to like run across town for sumac so I'm like you know what use lemon zest instead or make a quick little pickle Mm. or use some like tinned butter beans or cannellini beans to make this really silky hummus so I knew the kind of food that people were trying to cook and what they're inspired by but I just wanted to simplify it and just make it more realistic yeah I love I love that so much I um I've been doing a lot of stress baking like I feel like the whole internet is everyone is baking and cooking (laughs) so much um but baking is not that cheap and a cake is not useful for an apartment I mean I live with my boyfriend and it's just the two of us and we're obviously not seeing other people at the moment yeah. um, can you recommend yeah can you recommend how to bake more mindfully and less wastefully um or like yeah what, definitely. E- even if it's not dessert like what are the ways that you can have that like mindfulness of baking um in a meal you know Definitely. I mean, one of the recipes that I did in the book um, is a frying pan crumble. Um, And I think this came from the need for at the end of a meal, even if it's really delicious, sometimes you just need something sweet. Um, But if it's a Wednesday or Thursday night, you don't want to be making like a whole crumble that's designed for six people that's going to sit in the oven for 45 minutes and A, take loads of time and B, use up loads of energy. Um, So what I designed was this like kind of cheat hack crumble where you use some fruit from the freezer. So I always have like berries and cherries knocking around and you just like simmer them in a pan or not even simmer, you rapidly boil them in a frying pan. So you've got this delicious compote. And then in another pan, you use all the same ingredients that you'd use for a crumble topping. So like rolled oats, um, some butter, a bit of honey, and then I added salt and pepper. And then what you do is you've got your base of your crumble with all the fruit. You've got this like delicious, melty, oaty topping um, and you pop it together in a bowl and it's just like this instant crumble. So yeah, that was a bit of a revelation when I when I came across that. Um, The other thing you could do at the cafe, we make so many cookies. Um, If you want a cookie fix, what you could do is like bake all the dough, portion them out and pop them in the freezer and then just bake off like four at a time. So you've not got, you know, a batch of 24 cookies Mm. sitting in front of you. Um, I would say that they would go to. That is such a good idea. (laughs) Yeah. So it's just like cookies on demand. Yeah, and you don't get sick of them either. You know, sometimes you bake and you've just got like so much of it, especially if there's only two of you. Um, 
this way you're sort of portion controlling. I literally made a a chocolate chip cookie recipe the other day and it ended up with like 36 cookies and I just like stressed myself out being like, well, I've got to eat like five or six a day. And I was just like (laughs) shoving these cookies down. It was just really (laughs) stressful. It's poor Josie. We've all been there. I mean, yeah, just pop them in the freezer. And then you can just bake off like four and then you just have two each. You don't feel too guilty. You get your sugar fix. Um, and yeah, there's no waste. That is, that, that's revolutionary. That's great. <laughs> um, in general, how do you think we could all be a bit less, wait, less wasteful, as even pre, post corona? Um, what would your tips be? Um, kind of what I mentioned before, just rather than just looking at a recipe in a book and going out and shopping for those exact ingredients, have a look at what's already in your cupboards. Um, So say there's a recipe that uses risotto rice, but you've got a bag of like spelt or barley, just use that um, instead. So yeah, just don't have this like back catalog of um, ingredients that you never touch. Just try and use stuff up. Um, because ultimately it'll make you a more creative and confident cook if you just trust yourself and use recipes as more of a loose guideline. Um, the other thing you can do is lots of like batch cooking. So again, if you've got some veggies that are on the turn in the fridge, just make a big soup. Um, you can just blitz it all down. That soup could even become a pasta sauce. So yeah, just use up everything that you've got. Um, And then look at ingredients as a whole. So I think we're all in this habit or we've been taught for like carrots, for example, to chop away the green tops and to peel them. Well, maybe the peelings, you could make those into a quick pickle or the green carrot tops, you could use those instead of parsley or coriander and treat them as more like a herbs for like a, you could do like a salsa verde or a pesto. And then one of my favorite things to do with Parmesan ends is keep the ends. And then once I've got four or five little Parmesan ends, I just boil it up with water and you get the most insane stock. Um, it's just this like salty, cheesy stock. It makes you feel all chefy, and literally you're just boiling Parmesan ends. Um, or if you're making risotto, you can just put the rind right into the risotto. Um, so, yeah, it's just looking at how you can use a whole ingredient. Um, I definitely think that's the way forward. Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much, Jess. That was all such uh, interesting and helpful advice. Um, and Tin Can Magic, guys, check out her cookbook. You can order it online because none of us leaving the house right now. <laughs> Thanks, Jess. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks, Jess. See ya. Okay, so I kind of had two pieces and one was that Alison Roman thing that we already talked about in the cut, which wasn't even about money anyway. I just thought that was relevant to the discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also this one was a piece that um, kind of touched on ideas that we talked about last week in regards to celebrities and it's called Celebrity Culture is Burning by Amanda Hess in the New York Times. Yeah, I so, loved this article. I read this. Oh, cool. But this isn't your money content, is it? No, but it's very adjacent. 
Oh, cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, last week we talked about, well, you talked and you said like that you'd read something about how celebrities are kind of useless right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting. And so um, this article came up and I actually had to be like, wait, is this the article that Josie was talking about? But it only came out a few days ago, so it wasn't. Um, but basically it was talking about how um, celebrities normally in the kind of, you know, narrative of the American dream represent this idea of of upward mobility and that with the right hard work and talent, anyone can, you know, ascend quickly from working class and middle class to become one of the elites. And that's kind of what we like about them. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a shortcut to famous, obviously, the shortcut to success that doesn't really exist in any other way. Like, I know, I think it takes five generations for a family to change their class status generally. So this is really the only kind of way you can do it. Anyway, um, so it talked about with uh, coronavirus and, you know, the, like everyone staying at home, it was, you know, really patronizing to have all these celebrities posting these messages from their mansions about like, stay indoors, guys, um, like <laughs> in their like beautiful homes um, and that there was kind of this collective anger towards them over that. Um, But, you know, I thought it was interesting because it said that, yeah, like, but we kind of see famous people as these ambassadors of meritocracy. And that's, that's what it says in the article. Like, yeah, with, with the right work, you can get to where you want to go. But when, (laughs) when society is locked down and when there is an economic and health crisis is, spectacularly large as there is right now that illusion of there being any chance to change your class status or your lot in life is completely shattered it's mm-hmm. completely gone and so totally. the appeal of celebrities kind of goes with it and they go from being this like every man who managed to make it for themselves to just another one of like the ruling <laughs> class who's shitting on everyone else um um so i'll read can i read a quote from the article yeah go Okay, so it says celebrities are not among the very wealthiest Americans, but they are the ones who are tasked with liaising with the general public, offering vicarious access to their lifestyle. Celebrity culture glorifies them not just for their performances or personas, but for their wealth itself. Their blowout child child birthday parties, car collections, plastic surgeries, and property ownerships. This spectacle of success has functioned as a bizarre appeasement for inequality. Um, but this rests on the celebrity's ability to move easily between the elite and the masses, to be aspirational and approachable at once. Under normal circumstances, they're accustomed to rec- receiving accolades for using their platform to raise awareness in the service of bland initiatives for the public good. Um, but now celebrities have a captive audience of traumatized people who are glued to the internet, die- eyes darting towards trending topics for clues to processing the unimaginable horrors looming just outside and are instead finding Madonna bathing in a rose petal strewn bath. Oh, God. It's so true about, like, I love how it's we're described as traumatised people. It's true. We're literally, like, if you're not going to give us something that we really need, what is your point? What is the point of you? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, that's, and I think this article kind of talked about it, but that's part of why there was such a reaction against that fucking Gal Gadot, everyone singing Imagine video. <laughs> I mean, A, it was really cringy and embarrassing, but B, it was just like, <laughs> thanks like but you do you think this is meant to inspire us like, I'm also lolling shit. <laughs> I'm also lolling at the fact that you called her Gal Gadot Why? what's her name Gal Gadot. is that her name oh what the fuck <laughs> Gal Gadot 
This is what I'm talking about. Suddenly you get rich and famous and you don't pronounce the T in your name. Suck my dick. I mean, um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> um, I thought that was funny. Um, damn, yeah, I love I loved that article. It's so fascinating to watch this all happening. Um, yeah, they, they talked about in this article, um, J-Lo sharing this video of her family in like oh. their fucking Miami compound. And one of the comments on it was, we all hate you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, dude, I feel that jealous. It's not jealousy. It's not just jealousy. It's like uh, exasperation or something. But I've been feeling that just as a person who lives alone when I see people, I don't know like having fun with their housemates I'm like I'm personally attacked by this right now um what you know why isn't everyone as miserable as me so it's like celebrities is that times 10 million trillion gazillion well because it's like we're all supposed to be miserable like that's the point we all do it together so it's fine so if you see people having fun it's like that's not how this is supposed to go yeah, I mean, I don't genuinely want people to be miserable. I'm happy no, for people to extract whatever joy they can right now. Um, but yeah, it's there's something about the it, the like panopticon of this situation of watching everyone's lives on social media and like just really, I don't know, maybe like assessing it to a degree that you hadn't before. Like, yeah, yeah, no, I I totally know what you mean. Um, and yeah, I agree. I, I definitely want people to find joy where they can. <laughs> Just joking before. Um, but your money content definitely goes into mine very nicely. Mm. Um, so it's sort of two parts. The overarching is um, an article in Vanity Fair by someone called Kenzie Bryant. And the headline is, is this the end of influencing as we know it? Oh. So... Um, so the article starts by saying that the lives influencers traditionally sell, they're just fantasies now. No one's sort of looking for that content. Like we want mindless mm-hmm. content, but we don't we don't want that kind of content. Mm-hmm. And so the article hinges on this influencer called Ariel Charnis. Have you heard of her? No. Who is she? Oh, get ready. Strap yourself in. <laughs> so the second part of my money content is this Twitter thread that someone called Sophie Ross did about Ariel Charnas. Um, and so I hadn't heard of her before this, but she's got a fashion brand, I think. I She's like generally a style influencer. She's got 1.3 million followers. Um, and in the thread, Sophie details how Ariel Charnas, so in late March, Ariel posted that she was feeling ill and she wanted to get tested by COVID, but she couldn't get access to a test because I think at the moment, in America, there's a lot of problems. Yeah, like no one can get tested. Yeah, right. So (laughs) this influencer with 1.3 million followers called up a doctor friend of hers and she sort of just drove out the front of his clinic. A nurse came out, she got the test and she put this all on her story. Mm. And so people were like, oh, okay, cool. Great to have hookups. But what if you don't? Like, and like I said, many people can't get them. Um. Anyway, she ends up testing positive and so she tells all her followers, I've tested positive, this is really scary for me and my family, but she 
gets her nanny, her two kids, and her husband, and they go to the Hamptons after she's tested <gasps> positive. Yeah, so she leaves. Oh, my God. Is she the lady from the article I read last week? <laughs> well, oh, well, I know. that's And that's what made me found this. Like, she fully, and it wasn't even that she didn't even know that she was positive and, like, she was asymptomatic or something. She knew she was positive, and then once she got the diagnosis, she left New York. Um, so she decides to move her entire family to the Ham- Hamptons. Um, and not only that, in all her photos, she's just like posting like normal. She's got all of her kids around her. She's walking down the street with her kids. Like she's not, yeah, she's not following medical advice to just stay in. She's got like loungewear sets on and then she's posting SponCon for these loungewear sets (laughs) that she has like so dark. Um, (laughs) and so basically everyone's like, is she fucking serious? This is in insane. That she's and like her her whole thing was that she was just trying to protect her family to gr- try and get out of New York, but it's also like that everyone's trying to protect their family. Well, yeah, you're protecting your family at the expense of everyone else's family. Exactly, and it's like everyone wants to protect our family, but you're in the zero point zero one percent who can because yeah. you have a house in the Hamptons, you can leave, but everyone else can't. And it's just like it just shows again that class divide of the people who can leave, the people who can get tested and the ones that can't. Yeah. Um, so hang on. How did she even get tested in the first place? I don't understand. This is what I don't understand. How do celebrities get the tests? Like, no, so th- no, this was the problem. She had a, a doctor friend. So she oh, called okay. up her doctor friend and was like, hey, can you give me the test? And then someone came out the front while she was in her car, did the test, and then the influencer filmed it on her stories. So, like, imagine being that stupid that you're like, oh, I'm going to post this to all my followers who are obviously like, dude, read the room. Yeah. Um, That's, God, that's just like a phenomenal level of out of touchness. Seriously. And there's also a part on this Twitter thread, but she said that, like, the um, Sophie, the person who did the thread, she can't find evidence for it. But apparently she also posted on her story that... <laughs> While she was waiting for the test results to come out, she was opening a Louis Vuitton bag that got sent to her and was, like, also posting that on the same run of oh stories. Oh, God. I know. Just so tone deaf. Yeah. God. It also just makes, like, all that superficial shit in our lives just, it, you know, it just everything that's happening right now really exposes how, like, bullshit that is, like, I don't know, just the idea of like a luxury brand. I know I always go on about like how disgusting they are, but it's like I can't even imagine spending money on clothes right now. Like the, I don't know, the idea of someone even holding a Louis Vuitton bag is like why? It doesn't, like, stuff doesn't matter anymore. Like it doesn't matter. The world has changed. Totally. Who cares? Like who cares? And so this article in Vanity Fair was just basically saying like influencers' job is to influence, but nobody is – Nobody wants to be influenced right now. We're just trying to get by. So anything other Mm. than that is not useful for us. So in this article, um, Kenzie Bryant talks about how, you know, on paper the influencer economy should be thriving through this time, right? We're all at home more Mm. and these tales of domesticity and, and like, getting more time to bake and getting more time to wear lounge sets, it kind of, it should be working. But she writes... Instead, visual guides on how to be perfect or perfectly messy feel irrelevant when no one is when everyone is busy bleaching doorknobs or scrambling to file for unemployment. Accomplishing anything except by except getting by can read as privileged. Mm. Um, 
And she sort of finishes by saying, like, you know, the influencer economy is quite big, so it will probably ride out this storm. But, you know, she says, we too are financially spent. We're stuck at home with nowhere to go. Some of us are stuck with our kids and we've got no RV to take us elsewhere. So there was another, just side note, there was another influencer who put her whole family in an RV and left New York. And so they're living in this RV now, like, I guess, taking nice photos, like, what the fuck? Um, what, like driving around with this parked it on the side of a road somewhere? I don't, I didn't look into that one, but like, what? Anyway, um, with no RV to take us anywhere and no nanny either. And that's the other thing. It's like, not only did you bring your nanny along to get exposed to COVID, which apparently she said that she, the nanny was exposed to COVID already. So that's why she came. But not only did you expose her, you have a nanny. Um, yeah. Influence wielded. So, yeah, she says influence wielded unthinkingly or callously or even awkwardly has more potential than ever to cause harm right now. For the foreseeable future, aspiration comes second to the virus. Mm. It's like, yeah, it's the same with celebrities. We're not looking to aspire. We're just looking to get by. I um, So you knew Married at First Sight, right? Mm-hmm. I So I followed this Instagram account. Math's funny that just posts memes about the show and um, that account had posted something last week like imagine being in this season's cast of maths and, you know, having like devoted months of your life to filming this trash show thinking that when you get out you're going to become an influencer, you're going to like do all these appearances at clubs, you're going to make all this money off SponCon, you're going to like have this fun 15 minutes of fame and literally as the season's ending (laughs) global pandemic breaks out it's like (laughs) there's nothing for you here a no one cares b there's no work um sorry like i would feel so dirty about that but it's really like i the reason i'm so interested in this article because i'm actually like i'm not interested in influences right Mm. now at all no me neither i can't imagine anyone who is yeah do you follow any no, I don't think so. Yeah. I follow two, but I've unfollowed a lot as well. Who do you follow? <laughs> well, there's this lady, um, she lives in Arkansas in the States and her name is Natalie Creates and she just has a lot of DIY like home stuff. Oh, well, that's cute. That's she relevant owns, like, right now. Yeah, and she owns like a small business and she was talking the other day about how they're dipping into their emergency savings so they can pay their staff and not pay themselves. Um, nice. Yeah, so she's good. Um, yeah, so she's kind of like very palatable and she's very positive, so I like following her. But, yeah, everyone else, it's like bizarre. Like do you follow Lee from America or do you know do you know Lee from America? <laughs> I know who she is, but I, you know, I, I've heard the name. I couldn't pick her out of a lineup. It's just crazy because she's like, guys, just stick with me. I've got to post this sponsored content, like, because I have to live. Anyway, here's this thing. It's like, that's not how it works. Oh, whoa. Yeah. That's funny. Okay. Well, thanks, guys, for listening. Um, Obviously, this is a weird time. We're trying to adapt and do things differently. I know it's not the exact same podcast as it used to be, but it would be weird if we were just laughing about everything right now. So, (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah. This is the um this is the frugal 2.0 for a time being. Yeah. And thanks for listening and um let us know what you think. Stay frugal, stay inside. Bye. Stay safe. Bye. Bye.